Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Oh, yes. For the love of money, we're all trying to figure out now in episode two of season two of Minding Our Business, exactly how much business is still out there in sports biz. And uh, that's what we get together for right now. Dr. D's, we could say we can. <laughs> we can say it. Yeah, and uh, business is not booming right now. I'll go ahead and, and share that in case anybody was wanting to you know, know what's up right now. That's Dr. Wendy Dees, the foremost authority in my world, so why not the world, on uh, sports, and sponsorships, and marketing. I am Jason Jackson, the television host, courtside reporter for the Miami Heat, also a host on NBA radio. We get together when we can. We won't even put a time on it. We get together when we can to discuss all the leading trends and conversations in sports business. And uh, there's only one conversation right now, and that's how we're dealing with the COVID virus in terms of the uh, I should say the coronavirus that extrapolates itself into COVID-19. And the, the key thing right now that has caught my attention, which will be our first topic, is what's going on with college sports. You unearth, Wendy, a survey of 100 or more athletic directors that I think is uh, spine-tingling and, and, for most people, bone-shattering. Uh, share with the folks what you what you found and, and, and really the impact of the thinking that uh, the leaders of athletic departments around this nation are, are, are having rumbling through their minds right now. Sure. We came across this survey on Twitter, and I believe that the athletic uh, reported it first, but uh, apparently 100-plus college ADs were surveyed about the COVID situation that's going on right now, and in particular, just their feelings on how this is all going to play out as we go through the summer and get increasingly closer to college football season and the start of the fall semester. So a survey of 100 plus ADs uh, showed that I'll just go through kind of the the top stats here for you, Jax, but Mm -hmm. uh, 35% of those ADs are expecting at least a 30% uh, drop in revenue as we go into the new year. 45% of FBS athletic directors um, either approve or strongly approve of the idea that essentially their highest earners, their high-level administrators, should, you know, personally sacrifice a percentage of their salary to make up the budget, which we're going to talk later in the podcast about. That's already happening, whether you're voluntarily doing that or not. Uh, And then this one, Jax, really hit me, and I don't don't know what you thought about this, but 67% of these ADDs believe there will be a decrease 
in on-campus enrollment in the fall, which I can also speak to that on the academic side here in a minute, but 53% believe there will be a decrease in live fan interest in games. So meaning even when we're back on the field, they think about half of them or more than half of them think that even when the stands are open, people may not want to be in the stands as much going forward. Well, first of all, we're on a trend that there are just fewer humans on the planet, uh, dating back mm. to the turn of the century. Uh, people just aren't having kids at the same level that they're having them. I was visiting my alma mater in Ohio. They have a task force. Uh, they call Task Force 24 because in 2024, the amount of kids going to college is taking a significant drop really for the next decade. And so uh, you are, that was already going to be on the table. Uh, there are some universities that withstand that because their fan base isn't necessarily their enrollment. And so, uh, namely your institution, by the way. Miami is one of those, <laughs> exactly. correct. And, and so many of these small town state schools, Ohio State, Nebraska, uh, so on and so forth, th those universities are going to be fine because they're sports institutions once that they can get back out onto uh, uh, the, the playing fields. But we already found Iowa State Athletic Director, Jamie Pollock, who's noted that the school is already going to implement a one-year temporary pay reduction. Not a freeze, not just holding back bonuses, but a pay reduction for coaches and some staff and a one-year temporary suspension of all bonuses. There they are, and incentives for all coaches, uh, which would save the department $4 million. Wyoming still, they're in that same spot. They're taking a 10% pay cut through the end of the year. Uh, how much of this is going to start just – coming down the avenue. We know oftentimes these decisions can be very copycat. Once one AD makes it, then there's cover for the rest. You're exactly right. I think when the, you know, NCAA at the top started cutting back, then I think the schools felt it, felt it coming. And Iowa State was obviously proactive here, but I think they're just the first story, the tip of the iceberg. And then this is going to become kind of, um, regular news across the NCAA. Something that we didn't mention, there's obviously less money coming in from the NCAA to Division I schools right now with the loss of March Madness, but there's a lot of talk on the academic side, Jax, and, and you know this because your wife's on this side of the business as well, but there's a lot of talk right now about fall enrollments being lower across all universities because if we're still doing online classes come the start of the fall semester, then a lot of freshmen may take that one-year deferral that they have the opportunity to take when they're admitted into universities. And if they're not going to have that traditional, fun, on-campus freshman experience, they, along with their parents, may decide to have them stay home for a year, wait till all of this passes, and start the following year. And if universities take that um, you know, that dramatic cut in tuition because freshmen aren't showing up on campus, then that's going to affect the, the money that universities are able to use to help subsidize athletics as well. And it's just going to be really a tough time for athletic departments starting in the fall. And before we change topics, let's be clear about this. If college football does not play in the fall, if that season is truncated or it evaporates right in front of our eyes, that will be the devastation for the majority of programs across the country. Oh, boy. We don't. I, devastation. 
I'm not ready in this pod to commit to that yet. I'm not uh, mentally prepared, Jack. So we, uh, we're going to have to save that for another time. All right. You heard it here first. All right. Let's go. Next topic. Pay cuts continue in the professional ranks. Uh, we've already heard about uh, the NBA. I've been a little quiet at the National Football League, but when, you know, you got $12 billion later out, I guess things can go a little slower in that conversation. They're very uh, quiet right now at the God NFL. bless, God bless all of them, without a doubt. But the NCAA and Major League Soccer now join the ranks. Let's first talk about Major League Soccer. Uh, as a report came out this week that uh, their staff will join uh, the NBA and NHL in this space. They're going to cut salaries of most of its headquarters employees by as much as 25%, a quarter of their money coming down the avenue. That mirrors, I think it was the NHL that, was, that had that number last week, correct? Yeah, Jackson, I'm going to quote you and say you were putting the stank guy on the NHL last week. So are you, are you still feeling stanky now that everybody's doing it? Or what are your thoughts on that? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think it's just it's way too soon. Uh, Still but too early. I, I, but you know what? I, I, I have one rule. I don't spend other people's money. So if they feel like they're, the, there's a long-term um, saving grace out of this in the sense of keeping full-time and part-time employees rolling uh, for at least, you know, six to 12 months, then, okay, cool. I'll make that adjustment. But if we're trying, you know, and, and here's the thing. That's all it has to be, right? I mean, league offices don't have to be a part of the profit center. They, they're not. They're actually spending money. So um, I'm hopeful that these commissioners, uh, first of all, aren't just doing this as a positioning for when they have to turn to the players and ask for the same thing or have to, you know, trigger clauses, which we'll talk about a little bit later, like the NBA and the Players Association are discussing. Um, but I think there's some politics in this, too. Absolutely. If, if you want to mention the word politics, I think the timing of it is interesting we were talking about the NHL last time because they, they went first, but as soon as it was announced that we would be uh, self-isolating for another 30 days, then that's really when this domino effect of all these different leagues started, you know, announcing their pay cuts as well. So I think the extra 30 days and the realization that this is likely going on through the summer uh, probably led to the leagues going ahead and, and following suit with the NHL and making these difficult decisions. Yeah, I mean, that's this is the same number from them. I know the NBA has their top 100 executives. The fact that they have a top 100 executive is pretty staggering. But, mm, <laughs> but their, their top 100 are taking the 20% cut. You one the, of those top 100, Jacks? I, no? I am not at the league office and don't want to be in a discussion with a cut anywhere. I have bills, Wendy D's. I have... <laughs> Telephone bills, I got cable bills, I got tuition bills. boys at home. Come on now. The source noted, by the way, in this story ESPN presented about the MLS's pay situation, that currently there's no plan to furlough or lay off employees and a hiring freeze is also in place. So there are at least uh, some layers of uh, mindfulness going on there. Let's shift our attention to the uh, NCAA, which has joined the uh, pay freeze or pay cut party as well uh it, it's in it, it, all of this is coming right because you, you obviously are turning to member schools and saying uh the, the 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 well is dry and so the fact that they joined the party as ncaa president mark emmert and members of 
The association's senior management will be cutting their pay by 20%, and the association's vice presidents will be cutting their pay 10% uh, due to this financial pressure that the NCAA is facing. Yeah, and I think that's that's an interesting one, Jax, with kind of the the stratification of the pay cuts there. Um, you know, the 20% down to the 10%. Uh, it's interesting to note because uh, Mark Emmert makes just over 2.1 million in base salary, but Donald Remy, the uh, COO, the NCAA, mm -hmm. he's the next highest paid salary. He's 1.1 million. So it does drop off uh, dramatically from Mark Emmert to the next uh, highest paid executive in the NCAA. So Typical kind of executive imbalance in America. Right there, there you go. Mm -hmm. So that that's, I think, why the stratification is, is happening there. But uh, just to go back to your point, Jax, I think it's really important to note that I have not seen a single league say that they were cutting salaries of anyone that's entry level or kind of your uh, frontline employees. And so that's at least good at this point. We're not there yet. So um, those people are protected. And I think that's really important. Next topic. Let's turn our attention now to a space that is incredibly important and incredibly um, forward thinking. And they've been in this place of leadership for really the last couple of months. And that's Canada and Toronto putting itself in position to ban basically any city run public event through July. So here we are, Dr. Dees, in the great state of Florida, where, thank God for these mayors of these counties and municipalities, because the, the Tallahassee leadership is uh, parading for that audience of one in D.C. and has just kind of just lined up policy with what these local leaders have been already having in place and taking care of their people for weeks. Uh, but Toronto is superseding any of that. Most of the places around us are on lockdown through the end of April, early May. They're talking about holding things down until July, which is going to impact every major sports team uh, in and around Toronto. How are you surveying this decision? It was shocking at first just to see the month of July and that's just because as a sports fan, it just, you know, it just puts a dagger in your heart every time you see a report that first it's April, then it's May, then it's June, then you see July. And it just becomes very real when you see that. But I will say I'm not surprised at all that um, that Toronto would do this. You know, Canada's leadership is always, <laughs> it's slightly different than ours in the United States. And Currently, yes. yes, yes. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised that they would take such a precaution that they would be so proactive. I, I think they're looking at all of the data and they're listening to the medical experts and they're paying attention to the countries have come, that have come before us and they're doing what they have to do despite the fact that it's going to disappoint folks. But this is not just impacting... <laughs> Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The sport industry. This is Toronto saying no one in the city is going to get, um, you know, the the certification they need to put on a large scale event across all events. So it doesn't matter what business you're in, sport or otherwise, no one is going to have any type of communal activity for the safety of everyone until these numbers really go down. And you know, Jax, you just mentioned, this is going to impact almost every American sports league. The move specifically does not order the shutdown of professional sporting events, but as Dr. Dees noted, there's so many permits uh, that go into putting on an event each night. When you think about Jurassic Park outside of uh, the Raptors arena, when you think about all the things that get set up around a baseball game, so that's going to be the walk-up space uh, leading to a Blue Jays game. Um, it, it's, it's clear that they want to try to keep the idea that professional sports can happen. They just have to happen behind closed doors. And unfortunately, well, thank goodness they can retract the dome if they got there. If they got, if they got an opportunity to play baseball, they, they, they could consider that closed door. But it's, it's those, those revenue uh, added value corporate partner things that happen out on concourses or out in front of these facilities, those things wouldn't be able to happen at all. No. And it's, I think it's one step toward just taking fans out of the mix right now. And again, they're just being proactive in that. They're being realistic more than optimistic. I really think that optimism right now is dangerous because the more we just try to look toward when we're going to be able to go out and congregate again, you know, we could jump the gun in terms of going out and being in large groups when it's not time yet. Ontario has a indefinite province-wide ban on gatherings of more than five people. All right, we're, we're working with 10, they're at five. And uh, that basically notes that it's difficult already before this very interesting long-term ban of uh, major outdoor events for Toronto that um, there won't be much going on in Canada, in North America. And we've got that non-essential travel ban, too, between the two nations. So all that's in place. Let's move to our next topic. Oh, i got to bring in some John Tesh for this one. I need need a little joy, a little bit of joy, because we're almost in that place now where the bears are all bad news. So I'm glad I'm sneaking that music in underneath us here. But um, the NBA pay situation. Now we're not talking about uh, workers or, or executives. We're now talking about player pay and this is going to be a very touchy situation and rightfully so let's try to break this down and not make everybody's head explode the nba and and the nba players association are discussing scenarios for withholding up to 25 percent of the players remaining salaries in a league escrow should these games be canceled and the language is so important here right because the games are suspended we're kind of in this weird area because the collective bargaining agreement maintains that players lose approximately 1% of their salary per canceled game based on uh, the force majeure provision. I have to say sound French every time I say it. 
um, when you have catastrophic. It sounds catastrophic. so good coming yeah. off your tongue, Jax. Except for catastrophic, but yes. Uh, catastrophic circumstances, including uh, epidemics and pandemics. So they were, uh, listen, smart enough to have this stuff in the deal because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, but this is going to be an extra space. Let's first deal with the, the verbiage, Wendy, because we're not in cancellation, we're in postponement. So we're, this is, these are projected conversations they're having. Yes. Yeah, so as of right now, you know, nothing has been canceled. And so the, that means the NBA players are going to continue to get their paychecks. And there's this uh, April 15th uh, pay period, which you would probably know more about Jack's where they're really not going to make a decision. I think until around that time, well, they were trying to get there quicker. I don't know if they're going to get there in time. And that was the well, that's the final check for the players that are played just during uh, game uh, during the season. There's some that have negotiated provision to be paid 24 times, like most of us. Uh, but uh, there are some that just get paid from November one through uh, May first. Right. So if as of right now, if, if players are getting paid and they continue to get paid and it takes longer and longer to decide if these games are going to be canceled, then the problem that arises is that the money goes in the players' bank accounts and then later on, if the games finally do get canceled, then we're looking at a situation under the guidelines in the CBA, the players would be required to pay back that salary later based on you know, the NBA's formula of canceled games based on an individual's uh, player's individual team and salary. And you just never want to get into that sticky situation where you've paid your employees and then later on you're like, mm, yo, we're going to need that, that money back. Give me that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that that's where this period right now where we're approaching April 15th, NBA, this is where I was saying optimism sometimes is not as good as realism because if you sit here and you're not accepting the fact that you're going to cancel these games, this is going to just make a very convoluted, uncomfortable financial situation for the NBA and their players when the players are sitting here saying, you know, we want to finish the season somehow. The NBA has, has been talking behind closed doors about possibly holding the rest of the season or the playoffs in a quarantined location to get these games played. And while, while those rumors are true and they're, the NBA is thinking about that. And of course, as fans, we would love to see that happen. That's, that's just really small percentages that that takes place. And then you go beyond this deadline. And then now you're in a situation where you're trying to recover who knows how many millions of dollars from these players after you've already given them their pay let's take this even further if you're negotiating on the player's side you're like listen we're, we're, we're already giving you over a quarter billion back this year thanks Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets for that wonderful gaffe in China uh, that led to a, a about a quarter billion dollars leaving the coffers of the NBA due to China slamming the door on associations with the NBA because they were insulted by comments made during the preseason Ooh. and so you already had 10% of the players' salaries that are held in escrow by the league in place. There is a BRI, basketball-related income, slide in one direction or the other. And because of a significant decline that we just talked about in basketball-related income, 
the projected money that was already heading back to the 30 NBA teams was 380 million. I'm like, listen, as a, as a, as a officer in the players association, like it's not our job to prop up the league. Now like we, we share revenue 51% coming our way. And we put this 10% in escrow. We're already saving the day for something a player did not do. Yeah, that's a lot of rainy day money you're talking about there, Jax. <laughs> that's like a seriously rainy yeah. day. No, that's going to be a tough discussion to keep rolling. But we should note, none of this triggers without the cancellation of games. And everything we know and understand is that the NBA has no plans to announce the cancellation of games in the immediate future. Um, they, they just are working on every contingency, and you can understand why. Let's get to our fifth and final topic. That means... I'll take care of our uh, virtual high five. Man, that was a good one, Doc. So good. Good job right there out of you. Let's get to this issue that is so in your wheelhouse right here, and that's TV ad spending. Um, where is all this money shifting? Where are these contracts rolling to? Um, where are the make goods going to start? Your, your friends at Forbes already got into this conversation. Uh, <clears throat> they were looking at information from uh, Media Radar, an advertising intelligence and, and sales enablement platform, that there might be a $1 billion price tag on the loss in spending combined from hockey, basketball, and baseball simply because of what we're losing right now. Yes, Jax, this, this one really hurts on my side of the, the quarantine over here because this is just an insane amount of money that broadcasters are looking at losing. And I think it really just brings into perspective how valuable sports broadcasts are. Live sports just command so much more money than anything else that you watch on TV. And March to May is an incredible sports time, right? I mean, just all the best stuff is on TV and advertisers pay top dollar for this. And so basically what Media Radar did is they went back to last year and they looked from March 2019 to May 2019 and how much ad revenue uh, was being spent in the sports space during this comparable time, right? Because it's looking now very realistically that we're going to be in this situation from March until May. So over this 60 day time period there, like you said, there was about a billion dollars spent across those three leagues during this time. And that's what the leagues right now stand to lose, uh, with nothing going on over these next 60 days. And, and I'll break it down for you right here. So specifically NBA broadcast last year, March, 2019 to May, 2019 generated $830 million in advertising mm. revenue, NHL over 120 million and major league baseball brought in more than 60 million. Now, if you're wondering why MLB there, there's such a, steep drop off you have to remember we're just looking at march to may and so we're talking about peak playoff season for nba and nhl where mlb is just getting rolling but still we're talking about just a two-month time period where these leagues are uh, giving up a billion dollars in their ad revenue by not playing games 
That's devastating. Let's just be real. I apologize to all our folks. Usually we're bringing in, you know, we're usually talking about bringing in millions and billions. And now all we do is show up for the first two episodes of our new season. And we're, 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 we're throwing millions and billions into the fire. And I, I'm only chuckling, so I'm not crying. Yeah, uh, sweet. This is different. We may have to change the theme song for, for season two here because we're, we're not bringing in much money in sports right now. So we'll our stay little... with the OJs and go with backstabbers. I think that, <laughs> might be the, that might be the shift. But you know what? Before we run, though, um, we, we are seeing teams and organizations. We'll make this an adjunct fifth to make people feel better. Um, really go the extra mile and make sure that there's still content out there. We're seeing rewind of great games, classic games, uh, Instagram live uh, interviews, great public service announcements, uh, interaction that we regularly would not get. Yeah, and I'll add to that, Jax, to, to bring some positivity and a little bit of a good spirit to this. That on, Also on the business side, we're seeing – sponsors really step up and help with the effort. Anheuser-Busch, you know, the biggest sports sponsor out there year in and year out, they're, um, they're donating, donating their entire sports sponsorship budget right now to relief efforts. They're using their, uh, their plants to bottle hand sanitizer instead of beer. We're seeing fanatics, you know, who normally makes all of our uniforms and hats. They're making gowns and, and masks. And so I think it's going to be one of those times like around 9-11 where we just go from so difficult and devastating to just showing the incredible spirit of people all across sports, top to bottom and coming back together. And eventually we will, you know, have this great celebration and just you know, the renewed spirit of sports. We're not there yet, um, but there's just, there's a lot of good going on right now. It's just not on the financial side. Top of the good list. You and I back together, rocking this thing once a week uh, for uh, the folks that are kind enough to swing by the Five Reasons Sports Network and enjoy yet another edition of Minding Our Business. That's Dr. Wendy Dees from the University of Miami, from the Miami Heat and NBA Radio. I am Jason Jackson. Always remember, young people, mind your business. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.